0: You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains.
1: Welcome to Joy Coaching America radio podcast. My name is James Thompson, and I'm your host today. We are here with a very special guest, Karen Lynn Grant. And, uh, we have an exciting interview today and we have some exciting, um, things to talk about. Uh, Karen, it's good to be here with you.
2: Thank you, James. I'm so excited. I, you are the one that inspired me
1: to even do a radio show and a podcast. So thank you. I appreciate that. And just a little background between the two of us and how we met for those of you who are new, uh, Karen and I met back in 2018, uh, beginning of 2018, I believe, at an Eagle Forum uh, discussion in Provo, Utah. At the time, I was very interested in politics and liberty, and I was involved in a lot of uh, political campaigns. And so we, we had instantly connected, and we stayed in touch over the years. Um, this last year, I did a walk across America with my friend. We walked from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., and then when I returned, Karen had me on her podcast radio show, and so now I'm here returning the favor, and I'm just so excited about what she's working on. Um, her mission is very inspiring and very needed in today's world where um, our society is so sick spiritually and physically, and I feel like she has some very um, unique and important gifts and talents that are going to be used to, to help and bless God's children.
2: Mm, thank you, James. I'm happy to be here with you in this side of the seat because uh, I love doing the interviews. I love questioning. I love hearing about people's missions, callings, and purposes. I love hearing what inspired them on their walk. I loved your two shows. We did two radio shows with James. You can go to uh, the pod podbean account or the podcast account and and go listen to those really inspiring messages that james shared with us during those two radio shows
1: well thank you as much as i'd love to talk about the walk yes they can go to those episodes and learn more but let's turn the focus to you and let's talk (laughs) about what you're working on and what's been inspiring you to do this Uh, so to begin with i want to ask you you know what is your goal this upcoming year with joy coaching america
2: Oh, James, It's my heart is full and my passion runs deep for this work. You know, I remember when I chose the name Joy Coaching America, I had had a in-home massage business called The Cherishing Place, and and it was just one at a time, people coming in to receive a music massage aromatherapy session who maybe were struggling with a bit of a broken heart from having gone through life's crucial experiences and then people started asking me can we learn to do what you do can we learn your method the healers touch method and so i began to write curriculum and develop modules called joy coaching modules and the whole entire joy coaching system so that i could reach out via webinar and this started in 2009 started on Zoom teaching classes and courses for women across America. And so for me, the dream is to continue to spread this mission of comforting the grieving and to help others who have talents, gifts, and skills and feel a natural propensity and a natural gift of compassion, empathy, and kindness to get the skills, to add on some tools, and the world needs more joy coaches.
1: It's so true. So it sounds like not only are you a healer, but you're a teacher who is leading this movement of other healers, which is so amazing. We we really need that today. Um, who were some of the uh, role models in your life that inspired you to do this? You
2: know, I uh, my biggest role model was life itself. I had gone through a divorce and I I did not know where to go. Conventional therapy wasn't working for me. I needed experiential. I needed to hear it, feel it, see it, touch it, smell it. I needed all five senses involved in, in what was going to work for me. Just sitting, you know, across a room with somebody and having them do cognitive therapy didn't work for my ultra creative spirit. And so I began to pray and say, what can I do to heal my heart from this divorce that I've gone through? And this was back in 2001. And the very strong and distinct message came, you need to go to massage school. And then while I was in massage school, even though they didn't teach aromatherapy, the thought came as I was graduating from that, With Straight A's, you need to go and learn everything you can about emotional healing through aromatherapy. You need to combine all of the work that you've done with writing songs for the Savior, a thousand songs, a thousand musical meditations for Christ. You need to compile all that together and do your three favorite things massage, music, and aromatherapy for mending broken hearts. And that's when I met Dr. Skidmore. And Dr. Skidmore became a huge, uh, he was very validating for me because I had not read this in any science books. Mm-hmm. And so when I met Dr. Skidmore, he shared this passion. He he said, he told me things and why what I was aiming to do would work on the heart and the mind and the spirit. And Dr. Dean Belknap, the late Dr. Dean Belknap, who was the LDS church psychiatrist uh, for the LDS missionaries that were coming home from their missions who were suffering from depression. And I met him and he looked across the table at me one day. We were sitting at a table. I was there to sing at the Utah Boys Ranch. And he looked across the table and he said, do you know what is needed? And I said, well, I, I didn't really ask a question. So I don't know what to, he's referring to. And But I had been praying how do I, can you teach me, Lord, how to mend a broken heart? And Dr. Dean Belknap looked across the table and he said, do you know what is needed? A deep emotional, spiritual change down into the depths of the DNA. And that can only come by accessing the five senses to rewrite the grooves and the patterns in our brain that are programmed with pain, sorrow, and grief. So there I had my scientific proof that the very thing I was feeling impressed and inspired to do would work. And so thank you, Dr. Dean Belknap, wherever you are today, and Dr. John Skidmore. I love both of you.
1: Well, that's perfect because that answers one of the questions I had, which was, You know, how does Joy Coaching America help families and young children? And it sounds like, you know, you're able to reach these individuals through so many different ways, through the different senses and, and that's amazing. Do you do you want to go any further into that, or?
2: Well, about children. Children learn best through their senses, and you know, I remember being in in grade school, and mm-hmm. I did not learn the way most kids learn. And at that time, they had one way of teaching a child: two plus two equals four. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always had to sing it and chant it. I had to. Everything I learned had to become a song and then i would get it in my brain even when i went to massage school i was writing songs about smooth obturator which is the the you know where that ligament and that bone connects to whatever and i had to sing it and chant it and so for me being able to reach children through the lullabies that i've written through aromatherapy through positive non-invasive touch through uh creative questions that can help to open their little hearts up to speak, all of this has become a very important part, a crucial part of my mission to bless that little child before it gets lost in the woods, so to Mm -hmm. speak. And then there's so much more emotional clearing and grief work to do in adulthood. Yeah.
1: you know, I can actually relate to that because as a child, I really fell in love with cooking and I realized how cooking really taps into all the different you know, senses and, and, you know, touch and smell and, and, and visual, and visual and, and listening actually. And so, all these different things. And so, it'd be interesting to talk to you later about how we could incorporate more cooking.
2: That would be that awesome because I need and... to learn to cook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, here. Amazing. I've had your food before. It's really good. So, oh. um, yeah, it's just, I think that's something that, you know, as we especially cook with plants and like natural uh, foods that God has given us it helps us connect with earth and with our divine creator and with ourselves.
2: Absolutely. I think that that's a wonderful, a wonderful vision for 2021, 2022.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, great. Uh, so tell me, um, you've told me a little bit about the lullaby connection. Can you go more in depth into that? I would
2: love to go more in depth into the lullaby connection. When I was a young mother, I had four children climbing all over me one day, and a daughter that was saying, Mom's right side is her best side. And then all the little ones would start to cry. And this happened often. She would, this was her cue words Mom's right side is her best side. And they'd all scramble to my right side. And there's only so much of your right side to go around. And so everybody would always end up in tears. And one day, as these children were crying, I looked up to the heavens and I said, You know, my mom made motherhood look so much funner than it actually is. What do I do to make motherhood fun? And the thought came to me as though the heavens heard that prayer. As soon as you start writing the lullabies, Karen, and start to get to know each one of your children's spirits, because each one of them are different, as soon as you get to know them, you will love motherhood. Amazing. So that's that's where it started, was writing lullabies for my very own children. And I can tell you more about that after this station break, because I'm very passionate about what we can do for our little children, especially during this crucial time of the world's
1: history. We will be back.
0: From sea to shining sea and beyond, you're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and joy coach, Karen Lynn Grant.
1: Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. Uh, My name is James Thompson. I am your host today, and we are here with Karen Lynn Grant. And we are talking about healing and healing from uh, traumatic experiences and Karen, I'd like to talk to you about an experience I had uh back in 2014 losing my mother and what that was like. You know, I was 25 at the time and it was really my first experience losing someone close to me. It was a really difficult time in my life and and for my family, mm. especially my father. And so I'd love to get some of your thoughts and counsel on, you know, losing a parent.
2: Absolutely. Well, You know, James, I always felt an affinity for you after I learned about your mother passing away when you were 25. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what's going on in the world today with so many leaving. It feels like so many are leaving so soon and younger. And and so my heart just goes out to you for, for so much of life being lived without feeling but in some ways, I'm sure you feel her close in, in a new way as well. And so as I have worked with the grieving at Myers Mortuaries in Ogden and Brigham City and Roy and Leighton, uh, spent four years doing a day of healing and holding mothers in my arms who had lost children and holding children in my arms who had lost mothers and gaining such, oh, such compassion and empathy for this kind of loss. And I also experienced loss, but it wasn't through death. I I went through divorce after writing all these lullabies and being the primary nurturer in the home. And then suddenly I was whisked out of my children's lives and didn't get to spend tons of time with them. Didn't get to spend tons of time with them. And um, the lullabies got packed in suitcases and put in there with Sony Walkmans and transferred back and forth from their dad's house to my house where they listened under the covers to their mom singing them lullabies. And I do believe that whether you are an adult child The grief can be so deep because you've had even more experiences with your mom. And as a child, if that is your primary nurturer, that is just a huge loss as well. So who can say when it hurts more, it hurts the way it hurts. Grief is so different for each one of us and so tender to each person, whether it comes through death. Of a parent or death of a or a divorce or the death of a child. And so my heart poured into this aspect of joy coaching, which was really a form of gracefully transitioning grief back into joy and helping people to realize that there are steps to go through grief. There are things we can't speed through that process and we don't just go through it in an orderly fashion. We might revisit. Denial we might revisit anger, we might revisit bargaining, and there's so many processes and and they will come up it's like another wave of grief. Grief is its own it's it's its own baby it is it's a fog, and when you're in grief, it's hard to see clearly, you even actually can lose memory. Uh, all of a sudden, life just feels so mm. unimportant in in ways because the grief can be all-consuming. And so it's very important that we deal with that grief, that we shed those tears, that we revisit that pain and acknowledge it and give ourselves permission to feel everything we feel about it. And my favorite way of doing this for myself is through writing. Mm. and as you write uh, for those of you who don't even know if you like to write writing can be a very safe place because nobody's there nobody's judging your your grammar nobody's judging your punctuation mm. you can just spill these feelings raw and open out onto paper and and acknowledge the hidden ones and so that for me has become a beautiful part of joy coaching is teaching people to write their stories, to go back and to write that chapter on your mother's on that loss of your mother to go back and revisit what you felt. And was there anybody that you could turn to and, and how did you get through that? And that can become a great piece of, of beautiful wisdom that when you have someone else in your life who goes through the loss of their mother, that you can pull that out and share with them so that they feel deeply understood and that you can actually help and to bless them in their process, especially for those who know to turn to the Savior in times of grief, because not everybody knows how to do that. Some people naturally go bitter. And some people will turn to the Savior to get through. And so, oh, I just, I'm so, I feel like this work is just so powerful using all five senses.
1: You know, I, I love what you said about turning to the Savior for healing. And, you know, this last year, as I've come to understand, you know, the doctrine of Christ better, uh, it's helped myself because I didn't really take the time to heal when my mom passed. So she passed away from a brain tumor, which is something that she had um, throughout her life. You know, she had it as a little girl, Mm -hmm. had brain surgery and, you know, it came back and it came back again. So she died at 56. And, you know, my dad, uh, very sweet, he quit his job to take care of my mother for the last few years of her life. And, um, you know, he, he was just a mess, you know, when this happened, and so I just felt like I needed to be the one strong to be there mm-hmm. and support him, and and to be the, I guess you could say, emotionally stable um, member of the family. And so I don't feel like I ever really properly grieved over my mother uh, passing, but I'll tell you that after coming to understand what the doctrine of Christ really is, which I believe a very important part of that is offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit. That could be a completely different episode. We could go in and and discuss mm, that absolutely but, you know it's such an important um part of the healing because it allows you to turn everything over to the lord and I've noticed how since my dad has come to really understand that and this light bulb has gone off for him, um he's begun to start to heal, and his his focus has now shifted from you know instead of what he lost to looking forward to what he's going to gain. And so anyway, that's just kind of a brief, um, you know, glimpse into, you know, how both of us have been starting to heal.
2: That's beautiful, James. It reminds me of a conversation I was having just earlier this afternoon with my husband and his nephew. And his his nephew was asking me, "Do you think that a person should heal completely before they start to coach somebody else?" And I said, "You know, after my divorce, when I prayed about what the Lord would have me do, the answer that I got was to go and nurture the heartbroken." and the grieving. And I told Chris today, I said, you know, it was while I was spending six hours, seven hours, eight hours a day, giving music, massage, aromatherapy sessions to people who were grieving for all different kinds of reasons that I found that my grief was lifted. It was almost like the Lord said, if you go take care of their grief, I'll take care of yours because you know how to come to me. You know how to turn to me and have your broken heart be mended. And and then my husband said, you know, I would never have guessed that. But that is true. He said, I just heard someone tell me about a study that there's an actual endorphin in the brain that when you are grieving, when you go and serve somebody else, your own grief is transformed into peace." And acceptance and joy. So maybe while you didn't work through the specific emotions pertaining to your mother and around that time period, I can honestly tell you, James, that you have done so much healing because you've done so much service. You've done, you've given so much love to people. Your life is so dedicated to the brokenhearted and to helping people to find Christ that that it's no wonder that you are as sensitive and tender of a man that you are.
1: Well, that's that's really amazing. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Um, we are going to take a quick break and we will return soon.
2: Thank you. This is Carolyn Grant and James Thompson, Joy Coaching America. And if you would like any further information, you can go visit my website at www.joycoachingamerica.com.
1: liberty radio network
0: welcome back to joy coaching america raising the world's vibration to love joy and peace one happy listener at a time
1: Welcome back to Joy Coaching America Radio and Podcast. My name is James Thompson. I am your host. I'm here with Karen Lynn Grant. And we have been having an amazing discussion about grief and how you can help others to heal by, you know, sharing your experiences. And I just, you know, I, I love that because I felt since when my mom passed that I need to not hold these experiences or these feelings to myself, but to share them with others that it wasn't just for me, but it was to lift others up. And I feel the same way about the experiences I had on my walk across America, which is why I'm now writing a book, because I feel like uh, God gives us these experiences as gifts to, to share with his children. So I'd love for you to maybe expound on that and share your mm. thoughts.
2: I completely agree. I think that writing is very therapeutic. From the time I was a little girl, um, I loved to keep a journal. My grandfather was related to Heber J. Grant. My grandpa Grant was his nephew, and Heber J. Grant gave my grandpa his first journal. And so my grandfather was an avid journal keeper. He had a stroke when I was 11, and he lived until I was 28. And after he died, my favorite thing to do was to go find my grandpa's writings because he could still write, but he couldn't speak. And so um, from that time on, I remember at about age 11 in the fourth grade, I got my first journal from my grandpa, and I loved keeping a diary. And then that began to be songwriting. By the time I was 15, I was writing songs in my journals. I was writing poetry, I was writing lyrics, I was writing love letters to my future children, I was writing love letters to my future husband, I was writing love letters to Jesus. And I never thought that journaling and scripting like I call it, when you go deeper and it's not just about what you had for breakfast, but it's it's about what you felt. And I always wished that I could have had some of my grandpa's journals that I could have learned more about his heart because he couldn't speak. I didn't get to ask all the questions that I wanted to ask about him. But I did find that it was very important to my heart to to write, to script, to share, to, to do that, not so that anybody else could ever read it but because it was just a wonderful way of doing self-therapy, and and I loved it. It was just fascinating and fun. I was really inspired by Walden, uh, on, who went to Walden's Pond, and he would wake up every morning, and he'd sit at his, his typewriter, and he would just proceed to write every single morning. And he said that it was a great practice to to open one's heart, to open one's mind, and to just let everything... That had been accumulating on through the night through the subconscious mind out onto paper. And so I remember at age 19, I got a typewriter for my birthday and I set it on my desk in my bedroom and every morning I went to my own little Walden's pond and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. But then we come to the idea of whoever would think that we would have a story to share or a story to tell that could influence or bless somebody else. And I remember interviewing you and being so excited about the book you were going to write because there was only so much that you could share in, in two episodes of this podcast. And all it did was make me curious and want to know more about what else did he go through? What other angels did he meet on his path? What was that story? What did he feel along the way and as he trekked across America? And so it became very fascinating for me. And that really inspired me probably hugely to begin writing my story. And this is a section of my life that I'm writing right now. And it's called In Search Of the cherishing husband. And for me, my dream, my vision was always to have a happily ever after experience in marriage. And this tells of the fractured fairy tales and of the big bad wolves I met along the way. I don't go into the personalities, I talk about the principles. I ask questions in the book so that other people can kind of self analyze where am I in my journey? Am I settling for less? Am I? thinking, am I, am I content to uh, resign myself to marrying somebody that I really don't have goals and dreams and visions and purpose and calling and mission with in common? And so this has been such a wonderful way by using the fairy tales because mm-hmm. it was as a child at age four, that I sat and listened to fairy tale after fairy tale singing at the top of my lungs, someday my prince will come and they lived happily ever after and believing that it was so possible. And so it then turns into becoming the the cherished wife and how God brought to me a miracle when he brought me my husband, Del Turley, and what what joy and what an extremely profound experience it was to know that God is a forgiver. He is a giver of second chances. He is merciful, kind, benevolent. And if we turn to him in in the detours that we've made from, our, from the scripts that we thought were going to turn out happily ever after, but turned out a little bit disjointed and fractured, that he is an amazing author and finisher of our faith when we come to him with a broken heart and a contrite spirit.
1: I love that. Thank you. So if you could summarize, you know, maybe in one or two words, what you want the reader to get from this book, what would it be? Hope, 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 I know
2: there's so many people out there who have wondered, you know, they, they see the rate of divorce. They, they maybe grew up in a home where their parents got divorced. They have experienced a, a brief marriage that didn't turn out. I want people to have hope and resiliency, to get back out there and to open their hearts, to heal their hearts, to go to the Savior and to become resilient and to hope again.
1: You know, I've noticed that a lot this with this last um, these last two years, with you know COVID, I've seen a lot of my friends going through divorce, and so the timing of this book is just incredible, and it's going to reach a lot of a lot of people. So thank you for hmm. writing this
2: book. I've had to venture back into the woods to go and assimilate because, you yeah. know, one of the things I really believe in, James, is that we, it's like, life is like a Thanksgiving feast. And we get up to the table with our plate. We heap all these portions on our plate. We sit down, we eat it. We go back for seconds. We eat some of our favorite things next. And then maybe if we still have room, we go back for a third or a pumpkin pie or an apple pie. And we don't take time to assimilate these different foods that we've eaten and then we end up in a deep slooper, stupor like <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin and we all feel so sleepy after we did that. And we never really go back to assimilate or digest the experience that we just went through. And so I'm a really huge proponent, proponent of going back and not necessarily reliving the experience, but Revisiting the emotion that got left lingering in the cells and sinews of your soul, write about the emotion from that experience that never got assimilated, digested, learn the wisdom from the experience, glean the blessing in disguise, and become whole, and then move on with wisdom and share that wisdom with someone
1: else. A word just popped into my head, it was extraction. That's essentially what you're doing is you're extracting some of these experiences. You're like you said, you don't have to relive them, but you can extract what is necessary and apply it to your life.
2: That's really I love that word because every morning I get up and I go bow my head over my computer and I say, Okay, Lord, what would you have me write today that would be significant? Because I went through I went into the woods for 25 years and a thought will come to my mind this would be pertinent and helpful for somebody else. And there's so many things that I haven't written about. It's very abridged, but I love the word extraction. And as we write the parts of the pieces of the story, extract that, which the Holy spirit guides you to extract because that is what is going to bless somebody
0: else. Yes.
1: We are going to take a quick break. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And, uh, We'll be back with you here shortly.
2: Yes. And for those of you who are going through grief and through the loss of a loved one, I know that three of my very dearest, closest, best friends have passed away during this past two months, and it has been just really an experience with with one grief heaped upon another. I hope that you will take the time to process what you are feeling, to process what you're going through, to come under Christ, to lay your broken heart before Him and your contrite spirit, and ask for help to get through these crucial times. This is Carolyn Grant with James Thompson, Joy Coaching America.
0: Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time.
1: We are back here with Joy Coaching America podcast and radio show. My name is James Thompson, and I am your host. I'm here with Karen Lynn Grant, and we want to just recap on the last few segments as we've talked about you know, the grieving process and what it takes to heal. And now I think this is one of the most important parts, which is why it's so important to have uh, a joy coach or just maybe coach in general who can support you with your growing process. And and who who is this really for? Uh, would love to, to get your thoughts on that, Karen.
2: Thank you, James. I, I love that question because I I think that there were many times when I thought, who can I turn to that can be a compassionate witness without judgment? You know, we don't need judgment when we're going through a crucial time. What we need when we're going through a crucial time, when we, we don't really know what's up or which way to go. And we're in that forest, we're in those woods, and we need guidance, we need direction, and we need a physical person who is not going to hold grudges, who's not going to be judgmental about something that we may need to discuss. And so I want to talk about that need that we all have for a, a compassionate witness, that there are times when we all need that. There are times when I've needed that, as my husband's been going through stage four prostate cancer. And uh, the past year, it's just been, and then having loved ones pass away all at the same time and worrying about his health and what does this mean? And, and death coming so close in so many ways and really feeling fear and wanting to transform that fear into faith. And there have been times when some of the joy coaches that, in, that I've been coaching have reached out to me in just perfect moments with just the right message to just buoy my spirits up. Well, we all can be a joy coach, and we all deserve to have somebody who is merciful, loving, long-suffering, non-judgmental to hear our soul's petit petitions and and even sometimes our complaints so i I just I feel especially strongly right now because there's been such an uprise in domestic violence um that there have been people that have just been you know I mean we're coming out of quarantining but covid hasn't stopped and there's new variants and 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 it's caused great stress levels and This has caused disharmony in the home. And so my heart goes out to those families that have experienced this, to those families who have little children who are wondering about their futures and who overhear conversations that are painful. And James, I want to tell you a story, if I can. And this is like a huge experience that I had in my life that I think is very apropos for today's conversation. So is that okay? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, many years ago, I was writing a book for Thurl Bailey, and I would meet with him weekly, and we would meet for lunch, and I would ask him questions, and he would tell me stories of his life. And, and one of the stories that he told me was when he was a little boy. And his father was an extremely gentle man. And his mother was a little more feisty. And often Thurl would sit behind a chair and listen to these fights that his parents would go through. And this was very disgruntling to him. This caused him much perplexity. And if any of you have ever met Thurl Bailey, who used to be on the Utah jazz team, he's a wonderful man. And he told me that he learned that he had a choice if he wanted to grow up and be gentle and calm like his father, or if he wanted to be feistier like his mother. And about that time, I had been asked to speak at the uh, state prison at the point of the mountain. And so I was going regularly once a month and speaking to the prisoners there. And I would bring my songs and my singing machine. You can't do that anymore. You can't take a singing machine into the prison. But at the time, um, all the men would gather in the chapel and they'd all be wearing their white um, uniforms or whatever you call them, the white um, inmate suits. And you wouldn't know that they were inmates except for on the back, stenciled on the back of all their white uniforms was the word inmate. And I remember going in there for the first time and looking at all the sea of faces, like 92 men sitting in this audience and having to share with them my story. And I remember telling them, you are my captive audience and and you have to listen to me. And and they would laugh. And and so the stories went on and month after month I would go and, and some of the same ones would show up and come to these firesides as they were called. And one time I went and I shared with these men women in the scripture stories. And I shared the story of the woman at the well and how she had been married four times and was living with her fifth when she met the Savior Jesus Christ at Jacob's well. And after sharing my songs about her and other women in the scriptures, at the end, there was this very still, quiet, peaceful spirit in that chapel and one of the men at the back of the room said you guys she has shared with us from her heart what can we do what gift can we give to her and I was stunned that someone there could be so sensitive and kind and not what I thought what I would experience And slowly, the other men began rising to their their feet and started to suggest uh, what they could do for me. And finally, I said, could you sing me a song? I've never had 92 men sing to me. I would love to hear your voices sing. They said, what song should we sing? I said, what song do you all know? And somebody stammered, hey, we could sing her Three Blind Mice, or we could sing her Michael Row, Your Boat Ashore. And finally, from the back of the room, a, a, a voice called out, how about I am a child of God? And I was stunned because that was a song that I had learned going to primary in my particular religion. And I was amazed when they all started saying, yes, yes, let's sing her that song. And so these men, 92 inmates, began to sing to me. And they sang to me, I am a child of God. And they sang all three verses. And as they walked up to shake my hand, tears were streaming from every eye, including my eyes, as I could feel this childlike presence in each one of their faces. And I thought, you know what? When I walked into this room, these men looked like hardened criminals. But when I walked out of the room that night to go home, as each one had come up to me, they looked like little boys with the softest countenances. Well, I think about joy coaching children. And I found out when I worked there at the prison giving these firesides that typically men who have been enabled as little children and women who have been enabled as little children are the ones who didn't have boundaries and didn't have rules and didn't have love um, set up as rules and boundaries. Who, who became very enabled and turned to lives of crime. And so it was such a beautiful experience for me to be serenaded by the men at the point of the mountain and to realize, and I think that's when I felt this fervor begin even to pour into my heart even more, that children need to learn of Christ. They need us to speak of Christ they need us to talk of Christ to rejoice of Christ especially during the crises that we are facing
1: well that's a powerful experience and and you know you can take that experience of these you know these men who have had a rough background and you think wow how could this really help someone you know who lives just an ordinary life start to heal from what they've gone through so that's that's amazing that's mm. so amazing. Um, you know, so we've we've talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of mentors and how you've been a mentor to a lot of different people. Tell us, you know, who are you, some of your mentors?
2: Well, I shared with you, Dr. Skidmore. I shared with you, Dr. Dean Bill Knapp. Another one of my mentors who has been educating me about leadership is Rob Robson. And you know Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is one of my greatest mentors. He he has a kind father's heart and he has been rewriting with me my childhood experience of what a kind, benevolent, merciful, compassionate father is. And so that's been huge for me. Not that he is my father figure in my life, but as I watch him father my children and step into that role and give them an experience with a very loving, kind father has been huge for me. Uh, Back to Rob Robson, um, being acquainted with him and him speaking about becoming the very best version of ourselves. I think this is so important that each one of us know that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, that we can repent, we can improve, we can build upon the lessons that we've learned in our past and this is just huge and important for me and i think that as we all realize that we can become an even better version of ourselves that that's exciting that's exciting to think that life isn't over and we still have time
1: to to improve yes thank you now if we could wrap this up here in the next uh, couple minutes by briefly touching up on you know what If you could inspire the world to do one thing, you know, what would that be?
2: If I, I used to, I used to answer that with, if I could teach the world to sing, I would love that. (laughs) But now I really honestly believe that what I would say is write your own story and glean the messages from your life's experience and go back and revisit because the brain perceives each experience that we go through in two ways one is through the wounded child or you know we take it personally and the other one is through a very objective point of view and as we go back into our lives and our life stories and those experiences that we had we can glean so many beautiful messages and i think that's the point of life thank you so much james for having me today on joy coaching america